Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. I'm Jim Burns. Sometimes when the pressure is on and we're faced with an uncomfortable truth confronting one of our kids, we're faced with this dilemma. We either tell them the truth and risk hurting their feelings, or we tell them a lie or a half-truth that we hope will be easier for them to handle. That might seem like an acceptable option, but the reality is that if we want to cultivate a relationship built on authenticity with our kids, we have to be honest with them. That means we have to get real and not say things like, you can be anything you want to be, or I promise I'll never hurt you again. During the next half hour, I'm going to continue my conversation with author and counselor Chuck Borsellino about this crucial topic, outrageous lies we tell our kids. And if you're a parent, this is a conversation you can't afford to miss. It's on Homeward, and it starts right now. Do you ever feel like that when you're telling your kids something and you you hope that they won't catch on to the fact that uh, what you're telling them isn't exactly true? But, uh, well, okay, sometimes we have to coerce our kids into getting them to do the right thing. But where do we cross the line? Where do we just tell out flat lies to them and uh, realize that it's not really going to help anyway? Well, today here on the Homeward Broadcast, Chuck Borsalino is here to help us get the record straight. Outrageous lies that we tell our kids is our theme, and he'll be talking about that with Dr. Jim Burns in just a moment. From the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University, welcome to Homeward with parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Roger Marsh. If you have not downloaded the Azusa Pacific iPhone app yet, you can get it today on iTunes, and we highly recommend that you do. It's very, very helpful. And now with part one of today's program, here's Dr. Jim Burns. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns, and I'm smiling today. Chuck Borsellino is with us again. We've been talking about outrageous lies we tell our kids from the last program. If you didn't hear it, you want to get it because it is really a great program. And, and the truth is, is that we do sometimes tell our kids lies. We didn't even know they were lies, but sometimes we know they're lies. Chuck is the author of Pinocchio Parenting. And it's 21 Outrageous Lies We Tell Our Kids. It's a philosophy book as much as anything else. It's the kind of book that I am talking to my kids about with some of this great input. Chuck, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me back, Tim. Great to have you with us. Host and executive producer of the nationally syndicated daily television program At Home Live with Chuck and Jenny. It's a great program. I love that program. I had the privilege of being on it not too long ago and loved it. Licensed clinical psychologist, ordained minister, lives in the Dallas area with Jenny and with his children. Chuck, uh, you know, in the book, The Day America Told the truth, 91% of Americans who were surveyed admitted to lying routinely. I mean, why is lying such a big problem for us? <laughs> you know, here, here's the big problem. What about the other 9%? <laughs> that you is know, really true. Those, the other 9% are the guys who really scare me because they don't even admit it. <laughs> the truth is 100% of us uh, lie, whether only 91% admit it or not. We lie because... We've almost uh, have a license to lie. We, we lie when it's necessary. We lie when our back is against the wall. We lie when it's convenient. We lie when uh, we're being pursued. You know, here in America, shortly after we learned how to walk, we learned how to lie. Um, did you break the lamp? No. Did you go into your sister's room? No. Did you, did you take a cookie? No. Uh, how old are you? Uh, and and uh, 39 and counting. Uh, the check's in the mail. 
Um, of course I had a great time. I'll call you tomorrow. Uh, you know, the list goes on, and I just think that we have become a nation where lying has become acceptable, and we just need to challenge ourselves to take the higher ground and say, wait a second, that's not true. And little white lies are going to eat us up. We soon become colorblind. Therein lies a problem. So, I mean, so what do you do? Your spouse uh, is putting on her dress, and uh, she says, do I look fat in this? I mean, wh- I mean, you almost have to say, the dress looks great, and you look wonderful. I mean, wh- how do you get around that? I say, do I look stupid? Um, when, when, when Jenny says, do I look fat in this? I say, um, do I look stupid? Am I going to answer that? Honey, i tell you what. You look great no matter what you wear. The dress doesn't really matter. I love you. You look great. Come on, let's go. Good job. So you lied. If you well, didn't think it looked good. I mean, you only no, partially lied. That part's true. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with that. You look great. I love you. Dress doesn't matter. Let's go. Good. Okay, got it. Got it. So that that's good. You're, actually, Roger's taking notes. I have no idea why, but he has a Jenny in his <laughs> life, and you know maybe that's uh, you know something that he happens. I, I'm, I'm taking notes on you, too. Listen, we're talking about outrageous lies we tell our kids, and even from the last program, we talked through some things that I didn't even realize until I started reading your book that, I was lying to my kids, but in some ways I was. And I want to actually just move on with some of the other ones because we have so much to uh, to cover in some ways. And one of the things that surprised me, and you used a, a lie, but it makes sense, that sometimes we'll say to our kids, love will last a lifetime. Mm. Yeah, if, and if we don't say it, uh, the world tells them that. And as a matter of fact, if you remember the song, Muskrat Love, you know, uh, you know about love and life and 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 it'll get you through the tough times and 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 the beatles singing all you need is love well here's the deal um, as you know about forty eight percent of all marriages will end in divorce by the time they've reached their twentieth uh, anniversary and that's sad and and love isn't necessarily the culprit because love is a feeling love is a feeling that will come and that will go and there will be days when i feel intensely in love and there will be other days when i think oh my goodness um, and, and I just think that we need to be saying to our kids, look, you will feel the extremes of love, and, and you will feel the up and downs of, of love feelings towards your spouse. But here's what will last a lifetime. Commitment will last a lifetime. Love is a feeling that will come and go, but you made a commitment on your wedding day before God. That's what matters, and the, it's that commitment that will get you through the tough times. I made a commitment to you. I'm not going to back down on that. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to turn around. I'm going to hold on to that commitment. Even though sometimes feelings of love will come and go, I made a commitment, and I'm going to live up to that commitment. I appreciate you saying that, because a lot of times I think we put an emphasis in the wrong way, because feelings will come and go. But the fact is, is with a commitment, we can help our kids learn perseverance and and, uh, and all those kind of good character traits. But uh, you're right. I remember reading a book by Scott Peck uh, before he died, saying that, you know, you'll fall out of love every two years. Yeah. Well, that's possible if you don't have that deepened commitment, or if you're not using the Lord, uh, for Kathy and I, I mean, in terms of even marriage. We've often said, we've been married 32 years, we actually even write on the subject, and yet, at the same time, we've said, if we didn't have God, we probably wouldn't be married, because right. he taught us about commitment. He obviously is committed to us when we turn our backs on him, so we've had to learn that, and that, that's a great thing to teach kids. Uh, you're, let me throw another one at you. Your past determines your future, and let me say something. I, you know, a lot of times I'll be speaking with students, and I'll say, you know, the decisions you make today will affect you for the rest of your life. Well, that's partly a truth, 
But then you're saying also your past doesn't always determine your future. Talk about it. Once again, a little bit of fact, a little bit of fiction. Right. There, is, there is a component that says, you know, some of the mistakes that we make today will have long-term consequences that won't just go away. Uh, however, uh, when we say to kids, you're just like your father, you're never going to grow up to be anything. If you can't pass the sixth grade, how are you ever going to get into college? If you can't get into college, how are you ever going to get a good job? Um, look, if you're 10 pounds overweight in the ninth grade, what do you think you're going to be when you finally, you know, when you're 20 years of age? Or if you can't pass math um, in the fourth grade, you're never going to pass it in the fifth grade, and the list goes on. I'm a believer of this. There is a component that says decisions I make will have consequences. However, the past doesn't determine my future. The past may influence how I feel today, but it's my decisions today that will ultimately determine my future. Therefore, if I make healthier decisions today, if I decide to turn some things around today, I've got great hope in believing that I can turn my life around today. That's what will matter more than what happened in the past. And, and I think that gives us all great hope that we can all turn our lives around because if I make different decisions today, they are the destiny that I will be following for tomorrow. So one of the things you're saying is that as parents, one of the things we want to put an emphasis on is, is teach our kids how to make right and wise decisions. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously healthy decisions produce healthy futures. Healthy people um, typically have healthy kids. Um, healthy people typically make healthy decisions. Uh, doesn't mean to say we're perfect, but we have a tendency to make healthier decisions and live a healthier life. Uh, and we're all going to make some mistakes, and, there are, and they, again, they may have some consequences. But if I make healthy decisions today, therein lies my future. It will be defined and colored in a healthy manner. So anybody who feels hopeless, anybody who says, what's the sense? I'm a drug addict. I'm two times divorced. I'm, I failed out of, out of high school. What's the sense? And they are trapped by thinking that their yesterday will determine their future. I'm a believer that you can turn that around because of the decisions you make today, and your future can be what you decided to be based on the decisions that you make today. Makes a lot of sense. Listen, we're going to take a break. I want to talk about some other lies when we come back. One, we're going to say, of course, there's a Santa Claus. I want to get your input on that. But also one on just simply, it's not your fault. We're talking with Chuck Borsellino. Outrageous lies we tell our kids is our topic to date. Don't go away. More to come on Homeward. Chuck is the author of the book Pinocchio Parenting, by the way, and that's a book that Dr. Jim Burns highly recommends. More information awaiting you on that book at Homeward.com, as well as uh, the book that Dr. Jim Burns wrote called Teenology. Uh, This is a very helpful one because if you want to understand the way teens think and uh, in the 21st century, it's a lot different than it was even five or six years ago here in 2013. Uh, Teenology, The Art of Raising Great Teenagers, a book by Dr. Jim Burns to help you raising those uh, high schoolers, middle schoolers, and even elementary school kids in your world. If you'd like more information on how to order a copy and support the Ministry of Homeward at the same time, all you have to do is go to homeward.com or call us toll free at 800-397-9725. I'm Jim Burns from Homeward with a real-life answer to the real-life question about helping our kids when they've made a bad choice. After making a poor decision, your kids will have to deal with the consequences of that decision. That's why you'll want to be proactive and give them the tools they need to make right and wise decisions before they choose. Well, every day your kids are confronted with issues. Issues like whether or not to try drugs or alcohol, whether the kids they're hanging out with may or may not be good influences on their lives. Your kids are trying to determine what's right and what's wrong in a culture that really doesn't believe in moral absolutes. 
The Bible says that the primary responsibility of teaching and training kids is on their parents. So be prepared to help your kids handle whatever the culture throws at them. Be proactive when it comes to finding out what your kids are into and know who their friends are. For a free copy of my tip sheet, Keeping Up With Today's Youth Culture, go to Homeward.com. I'm Jim Byrne. Welcome back. I'm Jim Burns. Chuck Borsellino with us today. Just a great person who is host and executive producer of the nationally syndicated daily television program at Home Live with Chuck and Jenny. It's a great program. Licensed clinical psychologist, ordained minister, lives in the Dallas area, and has written this book called Pinocchio Parenting that we've been talking about. 21 Outrageous Lies We Tell Our Kids. Chuck, we were talking about these various lies, and, and one that surprised me is you talk about the fact that there's a lie when we say it's not your fault. We've kind of become good at passing the buck as a culture, haven't we? Mm. Yeah, there's a time and there's a place to when it's not your fault is accurate. But in most cases, that's simply not the case. Um, if it is not your case, if it is not your fault, then I think that moms and dads need to be very clear and say, what happened to you is not your fault that you were abused, you were taken advantage of, you were bullied. It is not something you did wrong, and you need to know that. You need to know it. I know it. You need to know it. However, we've also grown up in kind of a victim society today where nothing's my fault. Even the things I do wrong is not my fault. Because if I do something wrong, well, yeah, but you know what? That was because I wasn't parented right, or it was because I wasn't taught right, or it was because I didn't go to Sunday school right, or it was because I didn't have enough money, or I don't have enough... And I think we've perpetuated kind of a victim's society where nothing's my fault. And I think that there is a time to say, honey, that was not your fault, and you need to know that. But I think on most occasions, I need to say, what you did was not right. There are consequences. It is your fault, and here are the consequences. It's a great comment. I find that not only with my children, but some of the kids who hang out at the Burns household will say, I got a bad grade because of the teacher. Yeah. Well, did you study? Well, not as much, but I wasn't motivated <laughs> by the teacher. So it's right. the teacher's fault that they got a bad grade. And frankly, stuff happens. Sure. Yeah. Well, what if we admit, okay, the teacher, the teacher's not a good teacher. Okay. But that's the same teacher that all 30 kids have? Yes. Well, if all 30 kids have a bad teacher, that's, that's not a good thing. But you need to decide how to survive and how to succeed when you've got a bad teacher, because there will be a day you'll have a bad professor, there will be a day when you've got a bad manager, and there may be a day when you've got a bad owner. So you've got to learn how to deal with that. Right. And that's part of growing up in, in so many ways. I want to get to one that is so, so critical, because it's one that we oftentimes, I think, deal with, uh, with especially the parent, it seems like what I would call the homeward parents, people who listen to our program regularly. And the lie is busy kids are happy kids. I mean, I've heard people say that, busy kids are happy kids. And yet, the fact is, is that with our kids getting so busy, sometimes they, they are uh, just performance-oriented. Yeah. Well, again, there's an element of truth to this, that you've heard it said that, you know, empty hands are the devil's workshop. And so we think that if we keep our kids busy, that they will be productive and that they will be happy. And yet, unfortunately, we're also living in a world where our kids are so busy, they're exhausted. And so are moms and dads who are running their kids from piano lessons to uh, Boy Scouts to um, soccer practice to homework lessons to being tutored, and the list goes on. We have a rule in our house that says one sport per season. And so a child is able to select their sport or their activity, but they're always able to select one per season. And that alleviates the kids who are just exhausted running from this to that and parents who are exhausted. 
and it still allows our kids to have some fun and explore some things outside of school. But I'm, I, you know, I'm just convinced that busy kids are not necessarily happy kids. Busy kids are basically busy kids and, and, and the kids of exhausted parents. And, and what you're saying is that a lot of these kids here now are becoming overwhelmed as we begin to study these kids. They were overwhelmed kids. Their parents were overspent. You're saying balance is better, but it's not an easy task for parents to do because the kids want to keep doing stuff, don't they? Well, yeah, and I think there's time where parents have to be parents and say, no, um, I want you to make sure that we'll, we'll play soccer this uh, for the fall. We're going to play soccer. And if you want to do something else, maybe that's something that we want to try out after Christmas and give them something to look forward to. Because I just think when you load your kids up with endless activities, trying to give them the jump start, you know, in life and to do all the things that maybe we didn't have a chance of doing, I, again, I just think there's balance to be found and exhausted kids are not the answer. No, that, that makes so much sense. You know, at the very end of your book, you have something called the most damaging lie of all. It's kind of lie we tell ourselves. What is that lie? And, and help us understand that, because I think it can help not only our kids, but it can help us a lot. Well, the 21 lies that precede that are lies that typically we, we not only believe, but we have a tendency to pass on to our kids. But the, it's actually the 22nd lie. Right. It's, it's, it's a lie that is the most damaging lie of all. It's a lie that's only three words in duration, and it's a lie that will change the way we parent. It will change the way we work. It will change the quality of our marriage. It will change my life and everything I do. And it's a lie of only three words, and it will buckle my knees when I tell myself I don't matter. And I live in a world that tells me that unless you're rich, unless you're beautiful, unless you're attractive, unless you're a size two, that you're valuable, that you're significant. If you've got some letters behind your name, if you've got a status a job, if you've got a nice car, and you've got, and yet for everybody else, that uh, they're just the rest, the wannabes. And I, I just know that if I'm a size 12, I'm insignificant. But if I was a size two, then I'd be smart. I'd be, I'd be significant. And I just think that when we tell ourselves that that we are really buying into the culture that says when you become this, when you have this, when you get this, when you can run fast enough and jump high enough, then you're somebody. But until then, you don't matter. And I know there are tens of thousands of people driving on, the, on their way to work in the morning, and they're driving into the city, and they look to their left, and they look to their right, and the roads are just piled with cars, and, there's, uh, cars, and they're saying, I don't matter. Look, I'm just one of 10,000 going into the city, that nobody's writing down my words, nobody really is asking my opinion, my kids aren't listening to me, my spouse tunes me out, I don't really matter, what's the point? And at the end of the book, I tell a story of a, of a gal named Chris Chubbuck, and, and she, is a, she was a very beautiful, attractive 29-year-old host of a television program in Sarasota, Florida. And one day she went in to host her program, and she said, this station has a tendency to report the news, and that's what I've been doing while I've been hosting this program. Today I'm going to make the news. And she pulled out a gun from behind the desk, and she shot herself in the head, and later that day she died. And when it was really taken a look at who Chris really was, they found out that she may have been beautiful on the outside and had everything to live for, but on the inside she felt so hollow and so empty that she didn't really matter, and one day her beauty will be gone, her job will be gone, there's nothing left. And I just think Chris isn't alone. There's a lot of us who have a tendency to listen to the lie that the deceiver tells us, you don't matter, and you'll only matter when. 
and we're chasing that win. And then on the other side, I have a Father in Heaven who says, you made the world to me. You, you matter so much to me. I gave my life for you. You matter that much to me. Don't believe the deceiver who tells you you don't matter. You mean the world to me. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story. And I, I think it's so important that we do understand that we matter. We matter to God. We matter. You matter. Chuck, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you for being with us. Jim, thanks for having me. And that concludes part two of Dr. Jim Burns' two-part conversation with author, counselor, speaker, television host, Chuck Borsolino. He's written a book called Pinocchio Parenting. Great title. And uh, we are just finishing up a conversation on discussing the outrageous lies that we tell our kids. If you missed any part of this program, podcast along with us. The Monday through Friday edition of Homeward is podcast at homeward.com. That's a free subscription. You can also uh, stream audio at homeward.com for the daily half hour, the weekly half hour, the 60-second short feature, or the full hour edition of the program. We'll also be happy to send you a CD of the program, too, for more information on that. Just call us toll-free at 800-397-9725. Chuck Borsellino has been my guest today on Homeward, and I appreciate his candor. And yes, I especially appreciate his honesty as we've been talking about these outrageous lies we tell our kids. It's true that our kids are looking to us to build them up with our actions and our words. And as we conclude today's edition of Homeward, I want to leave you with an example of how powerful the spoken word can be into the heart of a hurting soul. I love this story. It's the story of Man of La Mancha. Now, the main character is Don Quixote, and he's kind of a lonely Spanish gentleman. Most of the locals where he lives think he's a little loony because, well, honestly, he believes he's a knight in the king's service, and he isn't really a knight, but no one can tell him anything differently. Well, one night he's in a local pub, and his server is a woman named Aldanza. She's a waitress by day and a prostitute by night. But Don Quixote takes one look at her and declares, For all to hear, you shall be my lady. You will no longer be called Aldanza, you shall be Dulcinea. Well, every knight needed a lady to inspire him in battle and to whom he would dedicate his victories. And Don Quixote believed that Aldanza was meant to be his lady-in-waiting, and she was his Dulcinea. Well, one night, Aldanza is raped by some of the men at the pub. In the play, you don't see this, but it's the ultimate indignity. And Don Quixote then cries out to her, you know, what is wrong, my lady? And she can't handle it any longer, and she screams at the top of her lungs, don't call me a lady. I'm only a woman of the streets, a stranger who men use and forget. Don't call me a lady. I'm only Aldanza. I'm nothing at all. And she rushes out into the night, devastated. Well, Don Quixote never stopped believing that she was his Dulcinea. Years go by, and now Don Quixote is lying on his deathbed. His family is simply waiting for him to die. They knew he was loony, and uh, they literally were waiting for the death to come. And at that last moment, when it appears that he has completely lost his mind, he's feverish, there's a knock at the door, and the room is hushed in anticipation, and walks a, a Spanish woman of royalty. She is absolutely beautiful, long gown, her head held high, her walk proud and dignified. And without hesitation, she goes directly to Don Quixote and gets on her knees and takes his hands in hers, and she whispers, do you remember me? It was so urgent. You must remember me. I am Dulcinea, and you gave me that name. Well, for a moment, Don Quixote actually regains his senses and stares intently at her. His eyes begin to sparkle. Clarity returns to him, and he utters these words, My Dulcinea, I knew you would come. With a smile forever formed on his lips, he dies. That's one of the reasons why I love that story is because Don Quixote had believed that the harlot Aldanza 
could become the Spanish lady named Dulcinea. And he believed in her, and she became what he believed her to be. Now, your kids are going to get all sorts of crazy ideas during adolescence about who they are, and they are counting on you, mom and dad, to tell them the truth. Tell them that they are special in God's eyes and special in your eyes as well. Live out authentic love for them, as we've been talking about today on the program, and watch them become the men and the women that God created them to be. And I know, Roger, we have a couple of great resources for our listeners today. Yeah, one of them is your book, Teenology, Jim. It's it's so very, very helpful to parents who are looking for ways to be authentic parents. And uh, Teenology uh, really helps you uh, discover the art of raising great teenagers. Also, Jim's book, Confident Parenting. Because sometimes, let's face it, we fudge on the truth a little bit because we don't want to have that difficult conversation with our son or daughter because it's just going to be too hard. Teenology, Confident Parenting, both by Dr. Jim Burns, both available for purchase in our online resource center. You can buy them anywhere, but when you buy them from the Homeward Online Resource Center, a portion of the proceeds actually goes to supporting our ministry. We truly appreciate your faithful financial support. You can go to homeward.com to complete the transaction there. Call us at 800-397-9725, or you can order by mail when you write to us at Homeward, Post Office Box 1600, San Juan Capistrano, California, the zip code 92693. And now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff, I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening. Join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward, where parents get real answers. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.